Welcome to the Playground Talks podcast, a podcast for busy parents who want to own their parenting style and develop a stronger sense of how to handle challenging situations. I am Tamia Friat, your host and a mother of three. In this podcast, I will interview psychologists, practitioners, behavioral therapists, teachers, and other experts about topics that bother all of us as parents so you can get both the parenting principles and practical aspects that resonate with you, give you confidence, and joy. Hey mom, hey dad, how are you? Welcome back to the Playground Talks podcast. Today we have a special guest, Dr. Rosen who is an expert of pediatric chiropractic. And he has over 40 years of private practice. And on top of it, he has traveled nationally and internationally teaching chiropractic technique, kernel adjusting, and practice management. I know that in the previous episode, we touched what's happening in the brain when forming new habits. And we also talked about the different areas and the function in the brain. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I will attach it to the show notes. And today, we'll first understand what chiropractic has to do with the brain, and we'll also dive into the book Dr. Rosen and his wife Nancy Watson wrote, and the book is It's All in the Head. So we'll understand how does the child nerve system works, what chiropractic preventative management means, and what could be some signs that point out that there is some abnormality in the child brain. Personally, it was a mind-blowing interview because I was not aware how much of chiropractic can help kids. So let's just get started and you'll tell me after if you were surprised as much as I did. Hello, Martin. How are you today? I'm very well, Tamara. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I appreciate it. Help me get the word out and talk to people. Thank you for coming. I think the topic we have today is so important because so many times we are waiting to see some symptoms and then we think, oh, what's going on here? But I think what's special about your book is that it kind of gives you the signs before you even think yeah. something is really happening. So before we dive in, I want to ask you, typically parents associate chiropractic with back pains, joint pains, but you actually focus on the neurological cyst and the abnormality. And I want to ask you, can you please explain to sure. us what's the relationship between chiropractic and neurological system? Well, it's actually really simple when you think about it, is the bones are protective mechanism, the cranium, the spine. The pelvis, it all protects the bones are basically protective and they help us move and they help us stand against gravity. But underneath the bones, the system they're protecting is the nervous system. So yes, when a misalignment occurs or there's irritation or there's trauma, there's pain at the localized spot. But that pain is also mitigated through the nervous system. If you didn't have nerves, you wouldn't feel the pain. So even simple things like pain go through the entire nervous system. Your entire life is lived through your central nervous system. Everything you do, think, say, eat, speak, smell, taste, anything that happens to you is mitigated to the nervous system. So when we talk about the spine or the cranium moving out of place and causing pain, pain is like the warning light. You know, it's like in your car, you have those warning lights that go off. You just don't need to get low in oil. All of a sudden, we call them idiot lights go on. Well, pain is that idiot light. It's like, hey, there's something wrong here. You're not paying attention to it, which is why as chiropractors, especially pediatric chiropractors, our whole goal is to 
allow that system to function optimally, regardless of symptoms or not. We want to keep sharing. It's like going to the dentist and having your teeth cleaned. Every time you go to the dentist, you go, oh, I hope I have a cavity today, or I hope he has to do a root canal. No, you keep up maintenance before the symptom occurs. Well, the same thing is true with your spine. You want to make sure it's functioning right because it's protecting the nervous system. And if the spine isn't functioning right, then the underlying system that it's protecting is not functioning right. And that's your central nervous system. I get that. It's all about prevention. Yeah, it's all about prevention and optimum function and optimum function, not just prevention, but also maintaining optimum function. It's no different when you exercise, right? People exercise for a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons we exercise is to keep healthy, keep our muscles toned, not because, you know, something may break down. Well, it's the same thing. We want to make sure, especially in the infant, those first two years of life, when the nervous system is developing more rapidly than it ever will before, that we're laying down a proper foundation for their growth and development. So we're literally laying down the foundation in the first two years of life for your central nervous system that you're going to live with the rest of your life. So right. can you please describe how does a child nerve system works? Well, it works exactly like an adult nervous system. The difference is in the first two years of life, it's forming. So everything, it's like if you took a computer, right? We have a computer and it has a certain amount of hard drive. It has a certain amount of memory. It has a graphics card. You buy a computer, you take it home and you put the software in and that's what makes it work like the program we're using now, as opposed to another program online. Well, the same thing is with a child. When they're born, they have all the raw materials that they need. And what is happening in those first, actually six years, but more so the first years, they're taking in all the information, making connections, what we call synapses. The nerves are connecting to other nerves to make pathways. Gray matter, white matter is growing. So the input that you give to the child, whatever the environmental input or their internal inputs, build that nervous system. So I happen to add here to what this little baby's head. But the reason I use this is because people think of a skull as solid. So when we look at the adult skull, what we have here, it's much more solid, but there's still movement in what we call these sutures. But in the skull, these soft spots that you feel and the sutures, the whole idea of this infant's skull in the first year of life is to allow the brain to grow 101%. That's it doubles in size. And this very back part of the brain, you know, called the cerebellum, which would be like your mainframe computer that processes all the information that comes from the environment in your spine grows 240% in the first year. So any interference the way this system works or the way you allow the brain to develop the cranium itself to grow can affect the nervous system. It's no different than if you have a mainframe computer in your house or in your business, and then you have all these peripherals. If the mainframe computer, which happens to be this brain, doesn't work, then the peripherals are useless. And that's how the nervous system So in the first two years, it's processing, processing, building, building. Those pathways called synapses their peak developmental period of time is eight months. So they're growing that fast and you're forming all these synapses that you're going to use for the rest of your life. So the nervous system is an input-output system. In the beginning, it's very reflexive. And we talk about in the book, we talk about, and we'll probably get into it on primary reflexes and the purpose of those reflexes. Because in the beginning, the child can't make cognitive decisions. So their whole being is reflexive. And that's what protects them. Just like animals in the wild, they have a protective mechanism reflexes. So if they hear a sound or if they hear a noise or something scares them, they can react to that. Well, the same happens with babies. And what happens is as you get older, those primary reflexes are supposed to go away as your front of your brain develops when you start to make cognitive decisions like, oh, that noise was a pot falling. Oh, that was my mom yelling. You know, it's like those kind of things start to integrate into your nervous system. So yeah, that's how it's forming so fast in those first two years of life. 
So what I'm getting is that as soon as the baby born, the material is there, but the program is not fully updated. Absolutely. So that's what's happening in the first two years, but then also until six years old? Yeah, it integrates. Up to about age six, you kind of have what I want to call maybe your adult functioning nervous system. Obviously not emotionally, intellectually, but how the system works, how it patterns itself, how it plays, how it reacts to environments by age six, that is pretty much pre-programmed into the system. Got it. So what your book called It's All in the Head. Right. And were you actually explaining what could be the abnormalities that point that there is a problem? So what could be the signs that point to have an abnormal detail? Sure. One of the things we say very often in our practice is especially if parents have more than one kid, is they'll bring in their child's, you know, Moms are obviously very intuitive. They'll go, I just don't feel like Johnny's acting right. He's not doing what his brother did. And it's not about comparing one kid to another, but there are certain pre-programmed things that's supposed to happen. Like there are certain milestones that you're supposed to go through. You're supposed to be able to pick your head up by one month. You're supposed to be able to roll over between three and four months. Then you're supposed to sit up, then crawl, then stand and walk. These all build on each other. These milestones are developed because they're pre-programmed into the nervous system and they all depend on each other. Not only are there motor skills involved in these, but actually sensory and emotional skills. So when you get to a different milestone, you open up your world. For example, when you're on your stomach and the first thing you do is pick your head up, your world broadens. Then when you can roll over by yourself, your world expands more. And then when you can sit up, you know, and it keeps going, then when you can walk. So kids develop their nervous system and they develop their emotional responses at the same time they're doing these milestones. So parents start to notice that either milestones aren't being reached, they're skipping, or, or during certain milestones, your kid is reacting very, let's say they lose, they're not able to sleep, they're becoming very irritable all of a sudden. Let's say you had this perfect little baby at three, four months of age, and you know, they're eating well, and they were sleeping well, and then all of a sudden around six months of age, they started to get very irritable, their sleep patterns change. There might be some glitch in their nervous system that they're not able to adapt to. So that's one thing, the milestones. The other thing are reflexes. There are primal reflexes that I just talked about that come when you're born, then they change as you get older. Then by age two, all those reflexes are gone. Because by age two, the front part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex is starting to work better. So if you have a child that still has a very hyperactive starter reflex, you know, cries at the smallest sound and they're 18, 19 months, those reflexes should be gone by now. So hypersensitivity is one of the things. Obviously, we see a lot of kids with, you know, digestive issues. That's a very common thing that you see that the nervous system isn't working correctly because it mitigates what's called the autonomic nervous system, your digestive system. So changes in behavior, changes in feeding patterns, basically inability to reach certain milestones, developmental delays that you see, and just a whole change, especially if you see all of a sudden a change in your child's personality or attitudes. That's a sign that there could be something wrong and there can be something going on. On the physical level, on the outside level, things like head shape, it's very common. So if you see a head that is misshapen, that what we would call like flat head syndrome, where the back of the head is very wide, or flagellocephaly, where the head is almost distorted, kind of looks like, a, you know, one side is growing longer than the other. Those kind of signs tell you that there may be another underlying issue. Also, when your baby is creeping, crawling, or sitting up, and they have issues balancing one way, or if they can only turn one way, or when you see them creep and crawl, they put one hip up. These are just physical signs. Like walking down the street and you saw a person limping, you'd go, oh, that person's hurting. Well, if you see a baby that can't crawl or one hip is high and they're crawling awkwardly, there's probably a sign that there's some compensatory padded. 
So as you're watching your child grow, it's obviously a lot of the people who only had more, you know, their first child because they don't see it. But if you start to see glitches, and I totally, totally trust mother's intuition. They know when something's wrong. One of the things that happens in our practice is moms will come in and they'll say, you know, Johnny's four or five years old and he has a diagnosis, whatever it be, maybe on the spectrum, neurological developmental delays, whatever the diagnosis is. When you ask the mom, you say, well, did you ever notice anything wrong? Which I was almost always the mom will say, you know, by the time he was 18 months, I had a sense that there was something wrong. And it's not till the symptom or what we call the idiot light goes off that they get the diagnosis. So our job as pediatric chiropractors is to find out where those glitches are. So at four or five, there isn't a symptom. There isn't a diagnosis. That's our kind of purpose. I get that. Yeah, because sometimes, especially with the, for example, high-functioning autism spectrum, you don't see the milestones as early on, but then your book is coming and it could be really helpful to support the child where he needs because this diagnosis could come before I observe the delays. So that's great. I want to ask, in terms of timing, what is the latest age that you recommend for diagnosis? Like if I am a mom and I felt ever since my child was born that, you know, something was wrong, but now he's five years old. Is it too late? Absolutely not. So sooner is better. But I have people who are teenagers that come in. I had a little boy actually came in when he was very little. His little baby was having digestive issues. He got under care. He got better. His parents, whatever for reason, stopped coming in. About seven years later, they came in because he started to have really bad symptoms. He was a toe walker. He wasn't able to interact. He had all his social issues. And we had seen the patterns earlier. They just chose not to come in. So they came in at age seven. We took care of him. I have another little girl, similar. She was 18 months of age. She had a lot of issues and problems, got better. Parents didn't come in. Now at age 13, they discovered she had a scoliosis and was having seizures. She came back in. She's under care right now. She just had her last EEG a little while ago. There's no more seizure activity. The curvature is getting better. So there's no time. I mean, I've taken care of people literally on age 100. And I've taken care of people the day they were born. So if you started learning a language at age two, it would be much easier than to start to learn language at age 22. And that's just the way it is. So there's no wrong time. There's no too late time. It's usually what will happen is the treatment protocols and the intensity will be longer for, let's say, a seven-year-old than for a three-month-old. I had seven-year-olds on the spectrum that, you know, all their neurological things have changed. So there's no time that is too late. And it's also, if you miss it for some reason, it's really not your fault. You know, it's not, it's like, I'm not a car mechanic. If something breaks in my car and I bring it in, the guy goes, hey, that's been going on for three months. It's like, well, I'm not a mechanic. I showed my car. I'm sorry. You know, you're a parent. You're trying to take care of your child. If someone helps you and tells you or you notice something, I get referrals from people who will like, patients of mine, when I got this one referral once, it was a Halloween. This patient was trick-or-treating, had her little baby who I had taken care of, had all kinds of neurological issues. When the other parents came to the door, the mom, who was under care with her baby, noticed that the child, who was 18 months, was kind of not right. And she started talking to the mom. And she said, oh, yeah, we're having some child. We brought him to the doctor. And they said, oh, yeah, he's behind, but he'll catch up. She talked to them, had him come into my office. And so they were told that 18 months, the kid wasn't rolling over, wasn't sitting up there. They were told he'll catch up. And Eric, because another parent had seen it and given her support, was able to come in and we could start to work on the child. So time frame, whenever you can get there, we will help you. Obviously, soon is better, which is why what you talked about earlier, 
we're looking really at preventative and maintenance care. We love to get your child checked just to see if they're okay, regardless of the symptoms. And just like we go to your dentist, you get your teeth clean and they say, fur, your teeth are great. You go see in six months. Well, the same thing. If I check your child and say, hey, their nervous system's doing great. Why don't we see if they're next milestone, which will be three months from now, bring them in in three months, you know. And if we find a problem, we can address it then quicker. So please tell me, what's the process? What do you do in the clinic to diagnose? Right. So in chiropractic with pediatrics, it's a specialty. That's what we teach. My wife and I, Dr. Nancy Watson, we run a company called Petit Peak Potential Institute, and we train chiropractors. We do adults as well, but our focus is pediatrics. And we put a child through an entire exam. So part of the exam is a regular neurological exam. We check reflexes. We make sure the milestones are going okay. Then we do palpation, check the sparring, check the muscles, check the cranium. And then we run them through some neurological tests, depending on their age. The neurological tests are set for specific age groups. And then we have this whole set of specific chiropractic tests that are neurological indicators that tell us when there are imbalances in the spine and the nervous system is not responding. So on the first visit, it's an exam. We take probably, depends on the child and the issue, but let's say somewhere around a half hour, we take a complete case history, then we do our exam. And then what we do is we correlate the exam, we have the parent come back on the second visit. And on the second visit, we sit down with them, explain what the exam findings are, explain what we found, and then we help set up a treatment program with them that we want to set up over either the next couple of weeks or months, depending on the condition. And then we we call adjustments. Now, I want to talk one thing about adjustments. Adjustments in the pediatric practice are extremely, extremely safe. Matter of fact, if you go through the literature, it is one of the safest interventions that you could do because the adjustment is not like you see on YouTube with adults. We don't twist or crack little babies. We use about four to six ounces of pressure to make the corrections. So it's actually, I don't know if it's a good thing to say out loud, but it's actually safer to adjust an infant than it is to adjust an adult because the amount of force you're using is so much less. But the trick between the pediatric practice is specificity. We try to be very specific, put as little input as possible because the nervous system is developing faster. So it's extremely safe. It's extremely comprehensive. And we have checkpoints along the way. So if you were to come into my office with your baby, and let's say I wanted to see you for three months. During that period of time, I would do at least two what we call progress exams to check number one back with you to make sure there's changes, but number two, to make sure the neurological patterns and the indicators that we found are changing in a positive way. So we're always checking along the way to make sure what we're doing is not causing harm, but is actually making a forward progress in the vapor system system and development. Well, this is mind-blowing for me because I was aware of going to, you know, maybe behavioral therapist or OT or those kind of things. So I'm trying to understand the whole picture. How is your practice integrate? Do you do your work and that's it? Or do I, as a parent, needs to have some kind of a whole support system for my child? So the answer is maybe, depending on how your child is developing. So in our office, at different points in time, right now, I've been practice 40 years, so I'm what I would call semi-retired. So we have a much kind of smaller practice space. But in the past, if you had a child that was born and had neurological issues, I had other people in my office who actually could work with him. We used to work with a place called the Institute for Achievement of Human Potential in Philadelphia, and they have programs, neurological programs. So I would have a person in my office that would help set them up. Now, I don't have those secondary people, and I don't need them because there are so many people out there that we can refer to. So our job as the chiropractor is to open up the pathways. 
their job with OTs, PTs, and, and you know, speech therapists, all of that, is once the pathways are open, is to retrain the nervous system. So the best way I can explain it is if you dislocate your shoulder, okay, and it's damaged, first the shoulder has to get back into place and heal, and then you can rehabilitate it. So what we do is we deal with the underlying issue. What I hear all the time from OTs and PTs and speech therapists is that once a child is under chiropractic care, they can't believe how much faster the child is going, is progressing. Sometimes I'll say, wow, in this last three weeks of the child started care, I've made a leap of six months that, that I wasn't even doing before. So the idea of a chiropractic is to get the underlying system working right. And then depending again, number one, let's say on a progress exam, I find that the pattern has changed, the neurological pattern changed, but the symptoms aren't changing fast enough. Then I may address the parent either one or two things. I may give them some simple exercises that I still use if I think that's enough. If not, then I'll refer them out, you know, to an OT or PT or a speech therapist, whatever it is, so that they can work to help rebuild the tissue, basically rebuild the pathways once we open them up. You have to think about it that we're creating neurological pathways. And those pathways then have to be worked on. So for example, if you take a little baby, right? And put that little baby in a dark room and you go in there, you know, four times a day, nurse the baby or feed the baby and just keep that baby in a dark room. What's going to happen is that baby's nervous system would be very, very underdeveloped. Even if the pathways are clear, there's no input, so it's not going to change. So what we do is once we've got the pathways clear, with sometimes, depending on the case, we need people to help put that input in so that the nervous system can then develop properly and commit those new pathways. So we're clearing the path. And like I said, the answer is maybe because depending on how the neurological development occurs and depending on how the child's symptomatology changes, sometimes we need other interventions, sometimes we don't. But we check that all the way so that we can help the parent facilitate that. So it seems that your intervention, just speeding up the process of achieving those milestones because you sort of taking care of paving the roads and then the other treatment should kind of put the cars in there and so the kids could be fully developed. Right. Well, the idea is to help facilitate that neurological development. If there are skip milestones or delayed milestones or retained reflexes, whatever they are, what we do underneath that nervous system helps make the body more adaptable and more easily retrained. It's kind of, that's the whole purpose. It's like, it's anything else. Even when you talk about sports, you know, if you talk about sports, chiropractic, you know, golf's a big thing or athletes. When they use chiropractic, they use chiropractic to help facilitate their nervous system working as best as possible. So where they train, they get the optimum usage out of their training. So a lot of pro athletes use chiropractors in the same way, increase the function of the nervous system so that when you do the other training, your system is very more adaptive. So when do you think a parent should take the kids to see a chiropractic? Ideally, depending on the birth or just because of the birth, the best time to get your child checked is the first seven to 10 days, is just to see if the birth process itself was traumatic. So again, it's one of those cases, the sooner the better. I used to, when I was practicing full-time, sometimes I'd go to people's houses if they had whole births to check the baby. People bring their children to us right after the hospital, especially if it's been a traumatic birth, like a C-section delivery or vacuum or forceps, they'll bring a child in within the first week. So the sooner the better to get your child checked. If that is not something that you can do at that point in time, then like you said, two months, three months, it doesn't matter. We like to see it earlier than better, but we're checking the child. Just like when you go to the pediatrician, if the child is born, they do a check. They check your child. They measure their eye. 
They measure their head. They take their weight. You know, the, so they do a pre-check to make sure that they don't see anything particularly that's a problem. Well, chiropractic is dealing with the spine and the nervous system. So we're doing kind of the same thing. We're trying to check to make sure there's no problems. I get that. You are saying you better go and check your kid with a chiropractic as, and the sooner is better. Absolutely. Yes. It's about maintaining function, heading off any particular problems that are going on and creating an optimal nervous system so that the child, as they develop in those first couple years of life, has the best foundation they possibly can get. That sounds awesome. Thank you so much for this mind-blowing interview. We'll have on the show note all the links to your website and the book. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much, Tammy. So were you aware how powerful chiropractic could be for your child? Oh my gosh, that was amazing. If you didn't know it as well, please give me that feedback. I am on Instagram as Tammy Efriat, which spells as T-A-M-M-Y-A-F-R-I-A-T. And you'll also have it on the show notes. Also, if you want to learn more from Dr. Zen, we'll have on the show note his website where there are some free resources for you. There are some great videos and articles and, of course, the link to his book. There is a lot over there, so I highly recommend go ahead and check that out. Next episode, we'll have a marriage and family therapist talking about healthy screen habits. I know we all struggle with it every single day. So it will be a very insightful episode. Make sure to pop in in two weeks. And as you know, the purpose of this podcast is to bring to you more parenting tools and to raise the awareness for services such as the one we heard today. And you can help to spread those words and tools by sharing the podcast with friends and families, also by rating the podcast. So please go ahead and just rate. And the best would be to leave a review. And this way you are part of the mission to parent differently in this new world. And lastly, as a reminder, treat yourself and your kids with compassion and curiosity. See you in two weeks. Bye.